0: Hello, and welcome to Conversations from the A&F podcast. In this episode, we speak to Petra, and she shares her story of being assessed as a prospective adoptive parent. The first assessment through a local authority was ended before panel, and she shares that experience, its impact, and the experience of her ultimately successful approval through a voluntary adoption agency. Petra's experience is not unique, and many applicants struggle in the assessment process. In this podcast, she reflects on the impact on her and the limitations and pitfalls of that process. As always, if you have experience of adoption, fostering or special guardianship from any perspective, personal or professional, and would like to share that on the podcast, please get in touch through the Facebook or Twitter page or you can email us at a and f podcast at gmail.com. I'm Petra um, and I
1: am Currently in introductions uh, with my future son, my son. Do I call him my future son or my son? I don't know. But anyway, he's there. Um, But yeah, I really have been keen to tell my story about rejection because this is my second attempt at adopting. Um, I guess my adoption journey started a long time ago when I decided to foster Uh, as sort of a trial run but because I'm single and have to work I was told that I could only do short breaks so I got approved as a foster carer short breaks foster carer, with my local authority been doing that for a long time for about four years so when I decided that okay what am I waiting for I just need to you know jump in and adopt I've got I just bought my own house got a stable job built up a brilliant support network So, I felt the time was right. And that was January 2019. So, of course, the obvious um, first step was to go to to the local authority that I was fostering with. Yeah, no-brainer, right? Um, So, I applied with, with them. Didn't really look around at anyone else. Just applied with them. I knew it was a different team and I'd have to start from scratch, you know. But I figured there had to be some, you know, continuity in that. So when we started, obviously, lockdown had just happened. Hmm. The national consciousness was a little bit on the stressed side, a little bit anxious. And um, before even starting stage one, they asked me straight away to do a financial report. I think because I'm single. Yeah. Um, which threw me because I'm like, well, I knew I'd have to do one, but expected it to be a lot later on. Um so I didn't know anything about benefits and benefit calculators, anything like that. So I was on the Facebook groups trying to figure out how, you know, how do I do this? Um I also have Dyscalculia, which is a numerical form of uh neuro neurodiversity, I have dyslexia and dyscalculia, Um, so that kind of didn't help. So, But I managed to cobble something together, and I sent it to the social worker, and I'm like, okay, here it is. Don't know how accurate it is, but I've done my best. She comes back to me and says, well, can you try it again and make it more accurate? I'm like, no. (laughs) (laughs) I have a disability here. I'm on my own, isolated. I have nobody I can go to to ask for help. Um, If you will accept this as it is, and then as soon as things open up again, (laughs) we laugh now, um, I can go and get some help to do it properly. Um, Thought nothing more of it. um, Did get some help. Got it done in stage one. Not a problem. Did my prep training and... There was only me and one other couple.
0: The prep training was all online. Yeah. And how did you find that? Yeah,
1: yeah, it was a bit strange. And I initially, I was like, I did it quite late in stage one because I was like, I prefer to do it face to face. And obviously, we didn't know it was going to be two years. (laughs) So in the end, I'm like, okay I'll do it online. Um, Obviously, a lot of it was covering stuff I'd already done in my fostering training as well. Um, And there was only one other couple. So it was quite small and, you know, it was quite friendly. There was like four of us on Zoom, two trainers, me and this other couple. But the other couple kept going on about, oh, our social worker said this, our social worker said that, our social worker said the other. And I'm like, I've not heard from my social worker.
0: Right. I
1: now know that's quite common in stage one, but I didn't then. Yeah. And um, so I, I said to the trainer, and they were like, do you want us to talk to, you know, pass that along, you know, say you'd like some more contact? I'm like, Well, yes, if that's what the norm is. Yeah. So anyway, so I didn't think anything more of that. Um, Got through to stage two. And bearing in mind this is still sort of mid-lockdown, the social worker insisted on uh, face-to-face. And again, at that stage of the adoption process, you're like, yes, ma'am, no, (laughs) ma'am, three bags full, ma'am, you know, because you just want to get approved. So I'm like, okay, you know, come on in. Nobody else has been in my house. It'd be nice to have some company. And the first session went fine. And um, the second one, I noticed she seemed to be tr- deliberately almost misunderstanding what I was saying. Right. Um. So she was. I'd had no sort of preparations or anything about what sort of questions they'd be asking or anything like that and as you know they're quite in depth and and because of being neurodiverse I have slow processing speed so it takes me a little time to think but I also at that point believe now I know myself to be ADHD which means even though I've not processed it I say stuff and then go no, that's not what I meant. <laughs> I meant right. this. So I was backtracking a bit and she seemed to be like really picking up on that um, and twisting things. And I really got the sense that she had something against me. Now I disclosed all of my neurodiversity in the um, ROI. That's right, the ROI, register of interest thing. Yeah, Including I put that, I believe myself to have ADHD, but I don't have a diagnosis. yeah so the neurodiversity, particularly the ADHD, was something the social worker really kind of picked up on and um, I not only am I neurodiverse, but I also work uh, professionally in as a coping strategy trainer, training people with neurodiversity in the workplace uh, on strategies to deal with that um, as well as software and so you know, I'm like, yes, I have this strategy, I have that strategy. And, you know, she seemed to be, some of my strategies, she was sort of almost interpreting as a sign of anxiety. Wow. Um, So, you know, I was at that point, um, I decided that I would buy a little bit extra of uh, non-perishables so that I would have a stockpile, if you like, ready for, when I'm on adoption leave, yeah, um, to reduce costs, then because obviously uh, a statutory adoption pay is not huge. So as well as saving, I was, um, and she kind of was interpreting that as panic buying <laughs> in a way, right? Um, and was you know she kept going back to oh this anxiety and maths anxiety and social you know, and I'm like literally one of the examples. She expressed with maths anxiety was that I would be too stressed and wouldn't be able to manage the children's lunch money at school. You know, it was like really small things like that. Hmm. So I didn't feel it was going well, but the sessions continued.
0: I mean, that and- must be must be really because um, you've invested people invest an awful lot into even getting to the the start line of of adoption. Yeah. And the as you mentioned, the power dynamic is very much that you if they say jump, you say how high.
1: And don't come down till they say so.
0: Yeah. And so that must be <laughs> it must have been really difficult to sort of in slow motions feel like it's going off the rails or
1: Yeah. And of course yeah. that in itself is anxiety inducing, which is confirming what she thought about me anyway. Um, And my attempt to because she was asking me, you know, how does neurodiversity affect you and, you know, what your strategies and she kept asking these things. And so I'm telling her and repeatedly uh, to the point where I'm I'm writing a table of these are the standard traits. This is what I have. This is what I don't have of the ones I have. This is how um, the strategies I've got in place. And this is how it would benefit me as an Mm. adoptive parent. Um, I guess, you know, maybe I I almost became quite desperate in my kind of, this is not an issue. Yeah. So the the inevitable happened on one of the, it was quite late, and I noticed that she hadn't mentioned panel dates or anything like that, which by this point, I'd completely connected in with the adoption community, uh, going to the prospective adopter meetings with Adoption UK and things like that. So it was a little bit sus that I hadn't been given any date for panel or anything like that. And then she sat down here and I knew what was coming. Um, but yeah, she said, I have decided I cannot recommend you at panel. Right. Um, and yeah, my world imploded at that point because I always say it's kind of like the, and I don't want to belittle anybody else's experience, but mm. it's, what I would imagine um is like the adoption equivalent of a miscarriage. I'd got so far. Yeah. You know, I was waiting for a panel date and she's like, no, not gonna happen. So she said we'd arrange a meeting with her manager to discuss it. And she was gonna send me a list of the things she considered to be my vulnerabilities. Yeah. Um she sent me that list and believe me some of them were just laughable um for example the most laughable one which her manager even laughed at was um she has a low mood her mood goes low once a month this needs further explan- exploration I, i'm a woman of a childbearing age enough explanation yeah <laughs> you know and it, it was just things like that um So we had a meeting with the manager and um, I'd actually, well, I'd spoken to um, Claire at uh, Adoption UK, who was amazing and I thoroughly recommend anybody, any prospective adopters listening, and join the Adoption UK Zooms because they are amazing. And Claire kind of talked me down and was like, look, you know, this is not the end, go to the meeting, do this. And she said, "Um, I bet you a bar of chocolate because neither of us drink alcohol, Um, that the vast majority of these things, the manager will just discount.
0: Yeah.
1: And sure enough, um, at the meeting, it came down to the undiagnosed ADHD. And they said they would need to speak to their um, medical advisor about it. So we would wait for that response and come back later. We met again and the agency um, medical advisor had apparently said, agreed with them that, you know, I needed to withdraw from the process um, until I could get a diagnosis, a formal diagnosis. Right. And I'm like, well, (laughs) you know, what difference will a piece of paper make? It won't make a difference to any of the, traits that i've already been very open about hmm. or my strategies to deal with them um and so that was that um door closed really
0: i mean it sounds True like to- a, a glib question but that sounds i mean this is in the midst of the pandemic and all of the other the associated challenges everyone's facing i mean where how do you pick yourself up from that
1: not easily um, I reached out. I spoke to my family. My sister was surprised me at how supportive she was through it. Um, shouldn't have surprised me. She's amazing, but you know, she was really supportive. And um, obviously, Claire and the rest of the Adoption UK community, um, Home for Good as well. As a Christian, I, I'm involved with Home for Good. And the thing that came out of all that and that everybody was telling me was, and that's why I wanted to share my story here, is because the most important thing I heard then was you're not alone. That so many prospective adopters are turned down first time. And that can hinge on one social worker or, you know, Whether that's a preconception or a prejudice or a professional opinion, you know, and I have um, known other people since then that it's happened to. I hadn't experienced it happening to anyone at that time, but since I have, and I know that my story has really encouraged them um, to, and what I was encouraged to do at the time was to look around at other agencies. Um, and to ask other agencies and so before that second meeting with a social worker, I'd phoned two local voluntary agencies and I'd been completely open and said, look, it's coming down to this, the ADHD, um, would that be a problem for you? One of them said, no, it wouldn't be a problem. Yeah. Uh, the other one said, no but I will check with yeah. the medical advisor and get back to you. And so I went with them because they'd done that extra check. So almost as soon as I had sent that letter that I had to send to say I was withdrawing from the process with the local authority, I signed up for an information event with adoption focus um, and they came back to me and said, no, not a problem. I had to start from the beginning. And, you know, I was a year into it by this point. Um, but I had to start literally from the information event <laughs> before they'd even, you know, send out the uh, registration of interest form. I mean,
0: was that a little bit, fr- I mean, that must have been frustrating. Or was it, did it feel like a very different event? Well, how, c- comparing the two, was there differences? Um...
1: Well, the information event, Initial one was face-to-face and this was online. Um, but a lot of it was sort of repeated stuff that, that I'd seen. But it does also, the information events, as you know, they give you an idea of the say like the, the personality, if you like, of the agency, yeah. you know, a feel for the agency. Um. So but at this point I was like, you know, I'm just going to, you know, it's got to be done. So I'm going to do it because
0: yeah.
1: one thing that rejection had sealed in me was my determination to <laughs> to be a mum. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. And there was a little bit of a thing in stage one with references uh, from overseas because I've spent a lot of time working and living overseas. Um, they wanted – a reference from Mexico, which or a police check from Mexico because I'd been there six months. And it soon became apparent that that would involve um, either me flying to Mexico City in the middle of a pandemic to present myself, um, or going to the embassy in London, which was also closed because of the pandemic, um, and then paying a solicitor in Mexico City to go and get the police check. So, of course, that was slightly triggering. I'm like, I'm just going to fall at the first hurdle here. <laughs> yeah. But I was simultaneously impressed. They were doing more in-depth checks than the local authority had at this point. So I was like, yeah.
0: That is interesting, isn't it? That, yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. So thankfully, their legal team. And again, it was that friendliness. You know, every time I phoned up, they were like, oh, um, okay. Well, let's, you know, they were wanting to help. Um, yeah. And they the legal team said, yeah, okay, fair enough. I could provide them with a reference from my leader who I worked with at the time there. And that, you know, that, that satisfied them. Um, and then, you know, straight through to stage two and my social worker, Jane, was absolutely lovely.
0: It must have been quite a moment to kind of get that sort of green light to go to stage two, having sort of fallen at that hurdle or not got past that. Well,
1: on. that's where I the anxiety came, because I'd got through stage one before.
0: Right. You know,
1: it's like stage one was not where the problem was. Um, and, yeah, so it was once stage two started. Um, but Jane had obviously done her homework, and she, had, she knew what my first experience had been. And she was right. so... Empathetic about that. And she's like, if, you know, reassuring, you know, if you've got any questions, if you feel things are not going right, just let me know. And the other main difference was in stage one, I was given a home reflections book, which had all of the questions in. So I had a chance to process and I had a chance to think about my answers and, you know, be clear about my answers. So this time in stage two, we were going through stuff I'd already written and already processed. So it was a lot easier in that respect. Mm. And it was, gave a lot truer answer, you know, from, yeah. um, before. Um, and yeah, she was like at every point, there was one point when, um, she needed to do it virtually rather than face to face. And she's like, this isn't because there's a problem. <laughs> you <know? laughs> Um, and then on the, the day where we got to the exact session where it all gone pear-shaped the first time. I said that to her, you know, and I trusted her at this point. I said, look, I want you to know that this is the session where I was told I wasn't going any further. So I need you to tell me, do you have any concerns about me as an adopter? And she said to me, my only concern genuinely is that I've missed something because I don't see any reason. And at that point, I felt confident enough to show her the list that the first social worker had given me. She looked at it, she read it, she looked at me and said, that's character assassination. You know, and for her to, yeah. And to have that such an affirmation, you know, of hmm. this is not you and this isn't the you that I see um, was just huge for me, you know, really affirming that this could happen this time. Yeah. You know, and I had a panel date by that point as well that we were working towards. Um, but then even then, day of the panel comes around and you know I, I take the call from the, the chair of panel all good and then I just broke down <laughs> you know I had a bit of a meltdown like like I say not
0: unreasonably
1: no and like I say as a, a Christian you know obviously that came out in me in in prayer and I was just like okay God even at this point, if you do not want this to happen, then I will accept a no. But I don't want a no. <laughs> yeah. know? Um, and I felt almost like I was grieving my chance to be a parent before it was taken from me. Hmm. Um, I went to panel and um, I read my part before panel, just to remind myself. <laughs> of what they knew about me (laughs) and also it was so positive you know it was an encouragement and then um they asked me a question i can't remember the exact question Uh, but they asked me a question about the vulnerabilities my social worker later told me that she froze at that point because she knew that that was, (laughs) was a trigger for me yeah um but i just read what she had written as my vulnerabilities which were being single. It all came down to being single, but mitigated by, but she has a strong sport network. She has, you know, all of this kind of stuff. She has the financial stability. She's got all the training and experience and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, so I just kind of went, yeah, well, you know, obviously I'm a single person and, you know, but I've got you know, the support network of my church, my family, my, you know, community. I've already engaged with the adoption community and all that kind of stuff. So then of course, as happens virtually, the meeting ends and you just wait for the phone call from your social worker.
0: I mean it's a pretty brutal process, isn't it, going to panel? Um yeah. there's no way of getting around it really. Is it is people making life-altering decisions i mean i know it's a recommendation you know the panel makes a recommendation but it's it does feel very much like they are making the decision they're
1: deciding Um, whether you can be a parent or (laughs) not. yeah yeah um and when when you're doing it virtually as well you know and you're on your own it's just like me and the cat here and waiting for the phone call at least when you know it's faced in person panels you're sat with the social worker or you know yeah um, or if you've got a partner, you're with your partner. So, yes, yeah, so I'm just sat here kind of yeah. waiting for the phone to ring, which was it's probably only about wait. 10 minutes. But <laughs> it was probably only about 10 minutes. Long but 10 it minutes. a lot longer. Although I will yeah. say, I'll tell you what was a long wait, because, you know, uh, they let the s- social worker in first and they grill the social worker. And they say yeah. that's, you know, usually about 10 minutes. Half an hour, I was still waiting to be let in. Yeah, that's...
0: Um,
1: So, and I'm like, okay, you know, this is going (laughs) pear-shaped, you know, because why are they grilling the social worker for this long? Um, So when she phoned me and she was like, right, straight away, unanimous, yes, you're approved. Wow. But she said, but I'd want to also tell you what their comments were. And so she was telling me you know about how they you know what they saw as my strengths and and why I would you know they were overwhelmingly kind of thinking I would be a great parent mm. and you know what never came up in panel ADHD neurodiversity never came up wasn't even mentioned um she then said that the 20 you know half an hour that I was waiting they were trying to get their heads around why I'd been refused first time. They were grilling her to try and find out why I'd been there now. Because obviously that had been mentioned in the report. And she was like, Yeah, I don't know <laughs> because it didn't make sense.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it is a panel, uh, I I mean, obviously I, I'm a social worker and um having written reports for panels that sometimes it's incredibly Actually, getting people onto white, black, and white—you know—in writing is really difficult. Um, And when there's these questions that can't be answered, that panels don't like answers. They don't mind difficult questions as long as there's an answer. Yeah, that that must have been frustrating for you as well, because really, you don't have an answer for that. Yeah.
1: Um. So yeah, that was. Then approval. And then, I mean, yeah, it did come up again, obviously, with matching. um, because.
0: So so can you tell me a little bit about matching then? Because when were you approved?
1: I was approved in September last year. Right. Um, So so straight on LinkMaker, (laughs) where there weren't many children and lots of adopters at that point because
0: one of the criticisms i've heard of mat- the matching process is that some some people don't get straight onto linkmaker. Mm-hmm. Um so you was that just an an agency sort of policy that people go straight on? Yeah,
1: yeah. And i think from what i understand it's usually agencies will, you know, voluntary agencies will go straight onto to linkmaker, local authorities yeah. try and match you internally before. Um but yeah, i was straight on. Um actually went on holiday um just afterwards so i didn't actually log in to link maker until i think i set up the account but i didn't actually go in and do a profile or anything until after um a holiday because a lot of people had been saying you know don't take a break yeah digest the fact that you're approved before you delve into that so yeah and then yeah you're faced with this you know amazon of children (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this online shopping of children, um, which is which is quite, weird. I mean, some people, yeah, <laughs>
0: some people describe that as a really un- like a slightly uncomfortable.
1: Yeah, and when you
0: sort of experience when you
1: first go on, you know, you look at the number of profiles on there, and you just think, I can't look at all of them, so I need yeah. to narrow this search down. But any parameter, any filter, just seems so unfair you know suddenly you're thinking do I want a boy or a girl (laughs) and I I hit girl um I thought I'd look for a girl and because I'm a girl um and I like hair and dresses and things so I look through the girls and I put in my age range and um single obviously single children because that's what i had been approved for um Yeah, I I got a lot of no response. (laughs) Yeah, Um, And those I did get a response of all had quite a lot of additional needs. To the point where I took some of my experience with additional needs off my profile. (laughs) Thinking maybe that's, you know, what sort of... And I didn't, I was expressing interest. Nobody expressed interest in me until a week oh. after I'd been approved at matching panel. <laughs> then I got nice. an expression of interest. Like, Too late. Um but yeah it so it was all me, you know, putting out all these things and then gradually sort of increasing. Um and so where I don't know why, but you know you you have a dream, you have a vision in your head of the child. Yeah. And it was a Mixed race. I'm white, but I've spent a lot of time in um, South America. You know, mixed race girl, Afro Caribbean girl, and I ended up matched to a white boy. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I expressed interest. I when I first saw this boy's profile, um, I I ignored it. I just skimmed past it because. I can't spell his name. As a dyslexic, there are certain words that just don't stick. Right. You, you, no amount of trying. Um, And he, his name, was one of those. So, nah. But then, during sort of between Christmas and New Year, you know, when you there's nothing to do and you're bored, and I was just flicking through, and his profile came up again, and um, yeah, I sort of clicked on it, and there were a few things on reading his profile that made me go, (laughs) you know, we've got that in common, we've got this in common. And so I expressed interest and and then heard nothing until about March. (laughs) Yeah,
0: I mean, we've not had very many people on the podcast who've sort of described that matching process in sort Mm. of that detail. I always wonder, is it difficult to sort of, do you feel like you have to invest in the children that you're that you sort of click yes to?
1: Um I didn't. I very much kept in my head about it. Um I didn't engage my heart. And I don't know whether that was deliberate or just the way it was. But I yeah. was very logical of like right age, um right level of additional needs, you know, very much can I cope with that? Yes or no? Can I manage that? Yes or no? But when I opened this little boy's profile, I remember saying to to Claire again on the Zoom, I'm like, yeah, he got my heart. Suddenly I felt that heart connection, you know, and I'm like, because of these things, um, you know, in his profile that we had in common, the a couple of the things that, you know, I had never imagined finding in a child in the UK. Um, right. Like I say, I've traveled a lot, so related to my travel. And yeah, I was like, okay, no. Um, and then, yeah, like I say, it, it, it was a couple of months before we got anything back and my social worker actually said that had she been more on the ball, she would have ended the discussion. Um, But thankfully she wasn't and turned out they had been pursuing another link and that hadn't worked out oh. and so they sent me his cpr and yeah there there were some additional needs there uh, neurodiversity <laughs> uh, he has a diagnosis of autism and right. i always said from day 1 you know i would never say no to a child purely on the basis of neurodiversity because let's face it if i'd have had a birth child they would have had neurodiversity <laughs> So yeah. for me that, you know, obviously there are other learning disabilities and things that can come alongside that. Um, but everything I read, and they were so open with um medical reports and everything um that, you know, I know is not um a given. But everything I read, you know, I was like, Oh, you know, I knew other parents who maybe didn't have the experience of neurodiversity would look at it and go, ooh, ooh. And I'm just going, oh, he flushes things down the toilet. Oh, that's cute. (laughs) The nursery found him playing in the toilet water. But, you know, he's obsessed with water. He's autistic. He doesn't like people. There are people in the play area in the water play. Why would he play there when there's perfectly good water elsewhere? in a private space yeah. yeah to an autistic mind that makes perfect logical sense
0: perfect sense um so you've you then matched and now you're at, um you're at the point of introductions right now we're yes. you know we're recording this in the middle of all that so what are your reflections so far on matching um matching transitions getting ready <laughs> for moving in all of that kind of stuff it's not matching uh moving in
1: yeah well that you have that high of again unanimous approval um that matching panel and obviously the social workers family finders say why they think it's a good match then um the uh panel chair tells you why they thought it was a good match and at the end of which i didn't know whether i should be polishing my halo or ironing my superman cape um <laughs> Because I sounded, you know, I'm like, okay, now I just have to live up to this. Um, So, yeah, there's that high of, yes, this is happening, um, followed quickly by, ah!
0: This is happening.
1: What what have I done? (laughs) Uh, Not an
0: uncommon feeling, having a flashback, talking to you. Yeah,
1: um, and so then a sudden, you know, I've got so much to do. <laughs> um, so I sort of immediately went on Facebook Marketplace and overdosed on stair gates. I have stair gates coming at my ears. <laughs>
0: um, yeah, I totally hear that.
1: Uh, got three in one day off Facebook Marketplace and then realized I have a very narrow kitchen door. <laughs> so I had to up buying a new narrow fit one. Um, Because the little boy's a toddler, he's nearly three. He'll be three in November. Um, Right. Had a slight meltdown of panic when I was preparing to leave to go and look at car seats with my sister. Um, I don't know why that in particular was a trigger, (laughs) but it was like. uh...
0: I mean, it's all a sense of imminence, isn't it? There's a real sense of this is happening and what has been. And for you sort of coming up for three years yeah, worth. Of, three years. And I'm sure all all of before that as well. Mm. It's happening. Yeah. And that must
1: And you know, you'll remember those days. you are sat there lying in bed, having a cup of tea in the morning, you know, and going, I don't really want to give this up. <laughs> um <laughs> and then you go, Yeah, yeah. That's um, fair enough. It's fair enough. So yeah, it's that up and down and you know, we're, i Dori always said, given his autism, I wanted um, longer introductions. Wasn't aware of right. this new research in the University of East Anglia model, which a lot of agencies are going for now, which is um, a series of play dates, uh, right. getting to know you play dates before you start the traditional week there, week here. And also yeah. is then followed up by. Um, organized visits from the social from the foster carer as well right. so it's like gone but not really you know it's not the end of that yeah. relationship so we it seems to,
0: to someone who's got done it the other way it feels like a much more compassionate
1: yeah it's kind a, of like attracted
0: but yeah but more compassionate. You, you kind
1: of go and it took research to realize this <laughs> you <know>? yeah yeah <laughs> But um, so I was pleased when they said, you know, that that's the way it was going to go. So we had our first play date on Saturday last week. Second one was supposed to be this week, but um, because of things in the foster carer's life, it's been um, cancelled. So uh, we've got a planning meeting on Tuesday. So hopefully we'll figure it all out then.
0: So, I mean, you are right bang in the middle. Tell me a little bit. um, So that first date must have been, you must have been, your heart must have been burst out of
1: your chest was it beforehand um well we'd had a bump into they did arrange a bump into um nursery observation and bump into so that i could see his additional needs in the flesh if you like um but i was told categorically you cannot interact with the child and anybody who knows me knows that i interact with every child i meet even randomly in a shop. So I was very much kind of like, do not interrupt, do not interrupt. <laughs> <laughs> so there was no in sort of love at first sight, butterflies and rainbows, which I know is the exception rather than the rule. You know, most people don't yeah. feel that on their first visit. But I was still very much in my head on that, going, can I cope with this? So when I went down for the first official play date last weekend... It was very unreal. It's almost like I didn't feel anything about it. I was just like, "Okay, I'm on the train. I'm going because they're not local. They are quite a way away." Yeah. away. Um, but I knocked on the door, and I could hear him screaming. <laughs> and like, plastic air opens the door with the wrangling a child in her arms, and I'm like, "Okay, that's a nice welcome." <laughs> But I then gave him, there'd been some miscommunication, so I actually took the transition toy with me and book. And I gave him the toy, which is a little llama from Aldi. Go to Aldi, folks. It's cheaper than build a um, Excellent. With a little recordable Top heart tip. in that had my voice singing very cheesily. Um, and I took it out the bag and his face just lit up. And so I squeezed it and he ran off to show his foster care. And then he came back. Uh, and held it out so i could squeeze it again and this happened quite a lot and i'm like this is me singing cheesley and i'm listening to it over and over again uh, and he started humming along to it as well <laughs> so um and then went to the park so as kind of time went on you know i was just i think i did at that point start falling falling for him so yeah <laughs> love at second wow, time <laughs>
0: yeah and it's I mean it feels like it's it's i mean it is literally happening as we talk. We'll have to get you back on the podcast in a year or two, and you can tell us how it
1: how it's gone being how that developed single parenting and, an autistic child,
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, what are your reflections on the processes of process of approving adoptive parents and the kind of the rigor of that process?
1: I think there are flaws in that one person's opinion can make or break an approval and I don't think that's right and I don't think that should be the case. Um, and when things go wrong I think there needs to be a, more of a, an exploration of that um, where the, social worker involved isn't present right you know maybe a few sessions with another social worker to see whether they have the same impression of this adoptive uh, prospective adopter or something like that I don't know but there needs to be something more because so often in the stories I've heard um since from previous and things that have happened since it's often come down to that individual social worker yeah um and so i think there does need to be more and i did actually ask for my file and discovered that those first two things i mentioned the um thing with the the budget yeah. and me asking why i wasn't getting contact That was written up by the first social worker in such a way that implied that I had, I was needy and had anxiety issues. So
0: it set the tone
1: for everything. yeah. Yeah. And I read, also read in there, the stuff that she had sent, the description of me she had sent to the agency medical advisor. And to be fair, had I not known me and read that, I would have recommended that I got an ADHD assessment um unfortunately it wasn't true (laughs) it was quite stereotypical of a little boy with adhd right and a adult presentation is very different and a female presentation is very different Mm. but yeah i kind of realized then that it wasn't it was almost like a confirmation bias on her side yeah and she'd come from children's social work so maybe that was the only knowledge she had of adhd
0: yeah but i guess still it From your point of view it's nice to be able to then make sense of that decision rather than sort of yeah yeah not that you're happy with it but you can certainly say all right well that's how the it unfolded a certain way um yeah
1: my friend said when i said i got the file my friend was like do you really want to open that room because this was after i'd been matched right that i got the file through um well i think it was in the run-up to matching um and i was like it was almost like squeezing a spot you know, it wasn't pleasant, but I felt better for afterwards, Yeah, you know, cause I, I had the answer because I have since been diagnosed with ADHD. Um, and after, after being approved, it was January this year, I got my approved, my diagnosis and I now know that it wasn't direct discrimination disability discrimination it wasn't the adhd really that was the problem right that was what was sort of hooked on by her and the manager but her problem with me wasn't that i was adhd so yeah but going back to that you know more communication in that stage one you know don't expect to hear from me (laughs) yeah everything we do in this stage is behind the scenes We'll only contact you if you need something, if we need something from you. But feel free if you want to check on the process to give us a ring. you know. Yeah. Because unless you're tapped into the adoption community as a prospective adopter, you don't know what's normal. Yeah,
0: very few people do. And I I sort of recall similar experiences for ourselves, you know, myself and my my wife, that we just took it as it was because that's, what we thought it was but with reflecting on it now i see that where there was missteps or but you don't know if you don't know you don't know you can't know what you don't know
1: yeah yeah Um, and i know most most prospective adopters listening to the podcast are already probably quite involved in the adoption community um but you know i would certainly recommend that people tap into that, and whenever I hear somebody says to me, "Oh, my friend's thinking of adopting," I'm like, "Right, do this, do that, get on yeah. this group, get on that group, <laughs> go to the Adoption UK," because I had, I know somebody I spoke to years ago um who said that they'd been turned down for adopting because they had a Staffordshire Bull Terrier, and of course now I know that <laughs> that is completely ridiculous. Yes, yeah. and if I were to meet them today. I'd be like, don't accept that. You know, you don't have to go with your local authority. Go to somebody else, you know. Yeah. And I just yesterday heard that a lady who um, after me went through a similar experience um, has just been given a panel date, having gone back and started with another agency and that makes me so happy
0: yeah uh, and that's that's because good news
1: i know uh, her experience was worse than mine first time around and so we've worked we've talked a lot and worked through that to get her to this point yeah and she also you know she's bought some toys <laughs> you know it's like that hope is rising yeah in her.
0: significant milestone
1: and so, um, yeah
0: Petra, thank you so much for sharing your story. And it's uh, it's not an easy story to recount, and it's you know it's still very very recent. And so I really appreciate your honesty and your openness. Thank you so much for your time, and wish you all the give you best wishes and good luck and God bless and whatever in between for the next few weeks, months, and years.
1: Thank you. <laughs>